0: Hi, I'm Jimmy Evans, and this is the Marriage Day Podcast. On this season of the podcast, we're highlighting one of my favorite teaching series. Marriage on the Rock was first printed in 1994 and has helped millions of couples since. In Marriage on the Rock, we cover what it takes to have a successful biblical marriage. In today's episode, I'm talking about raising great children as you build a great marriage. Enjoy this teaching. This session is called Raising Great Children as You Build a Great Marriage, and and the trick is doing both is we want to have great kids, but if you have great kids at the expense of your marriage, that's not success. And there are people that do that. There are people that just have terrific children and when their children leave home one day when they're 17 or 18 or 35 or whenever they finally leave, and the goal is to have them leave around 18, uh, that's, that's success. But when their children finally leave, their marriage literally is a shell. They're, they just don't have a marriage left Because the children consumed the time and energy for their marriage. Now, there are other couples that have a great marriage, but they don't have great kids. They're not investing in their children properly. And so even though their marriage is doing well, their children aren't doing well. Well, we need to do both. And so this session, Raising Great Children, as you build a great marriage, we're going to talk about three principles, very simple principles that are very profound. And I promise If you do these principles, because everybody can do it, it's a very simple, simple thing. These three principles will cause you to succeed. And when couples do not succeed in being married successfully and raising great kids, it's because somewhere along the line, these principles were forsaken. So principle number one of the three, marriage precedes children in priority. Now you know I know that I know that you believe that, but but let me tell you about something that's real common. And again, this is innocent and it's it's right in some ways. But some sometimes uh, you'll hear people say nothing is as important to me as my children. Uh, There was a a program on one day. It was on television. It was a talk show, and they had mothers uh, behind the scenes, and they didn't know that their husbands were watching from the other room. Okay. So there were the husbands in one room, the wives in the other room, and they were talking about their children. And these women were going around the room and they were saying, Nothing is as important to me as my children. And it sounds great. I mean, it sounds like a a good, wholesome American thing to say. Well, what they didn't know is their husbands were in the other room talking about how frustrated and violated they were that they didn't get enough of their wives because they were always busy mothering their children. These husbands were bitter and frustrated and angry, and the mothers were saying, nothing is important to me as my children. Well, the fathers can do the same thing, so I'm not, I'm not picking on women. I'm saying, if, if you in your heart or in your mind think, nothing is as important to me as my children, you're wrong. There are two things more important than your children. The first is God, and the second is your marriage. Those two things are more important than your children. And then, once those things are set, then your children are the third most important thing in your life. And let me, let me t- talk about why this is such an important principle. And the first is God's law of priority is inviolable. Genesis two twenty four. God created marriage and in the Marriage on the Rock seminar, I do a session that's called The Four Foundational Laws of Marriage. Okay, in the four foundational laws of marriage, I didn't know that there were laws of marriage. I mean, when I say laws, I'm not talking about principles. I'm talking about absolute, inviolable, eternal laws that suspend marriage. In other words, when God in Genesis 2:24 when he created Adam and looked at Adam and said it's not good for him to be alone. I'm going to create a woman and so out of his rib he took a rib, made woman, and then God said, "For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother, and then cleave unto his wife, they two should become one flesh. The man and his wife are both naked and unashamed. Those are the four foundational laws of marriage. Okay. Well, the first law of marriage is marriage is first. For this cause, not every cause, not, not for sports, not for friends, not for work, not for other things, but for this cause a man will let go of his mother and father. You don't forsake your mother and father. You're not mean to your mother and father. But before you're married, the most important relationship in your life is the blood bond that you have with your mother and your father. And God said, for this cause, a man has to let go. That's what the word leave means in the Hebrew language. Let go of that relationship with your mother and father. Now they're gonna be reprioritized behind your marriage. Your marriage has to be first. Marriage only operates properly when it's first. It can't be second, third, or anything else, because when it's second or third or anything else, there's jealousy that occurs and the marriage will not function because you're violating the first law of marriage, the law of priority. So when Karen and I got married, we didn't know that there was a law of priority and I allowed all kinds of things to come before my marriage and we almost divorced because of it. When we understood that marriage came first, what happened was we, committed that our marriage would be the first thing before our children, before church, not God, before church, before work, before anything else. When when you give up your, your marriage for your children, it will create resentment in your spouse. And they'll begin to sound off that, that they feel like they're not getting enough of you and whatever. And you, make, you tell yourself this, this thing that says, well, you know, we're busy with the kids, but when they're gone, it'll change. No one is gone. There's going to be a lot of trouble. Doesn't mean you can't heal. It Doesn't mean you can't get it back, but it means there's a lot of danger in doing it. And you haven't showed them how to have a good marriage. You, you haven't shown them how. We, Karen and I didn't have a perfect marriage. We don't have a perfect marriage, but we prioritized our marriage, and I thank God we did and now I see my kid, our kids doing the same thing. Here's how to establish and protect pro- proper family priorities. So you say, well, Jimmy, how do you, how do, you do that practically? Number one, establish, establish healthy disciplines and traditions. It's all about disciplines and traditions. It's not, about, it's not about what you can make happen. It's about what you can keep happening. Okay, now the Olympics were just on, you know, they're phenomenal. And you see all these people doing flips and somersaults and all that. I, I can probably do a backflip once. Then you'll need to visit me in the hospital. Okay, I can probably make it happen. I just couldn't keep it happening. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're having trouble or you're, you're in trouble that you can do something that kind of gets the marriage back for three or four days or three or four weeks. That's, can you keep that happening? And what I'm talking about is disciplines and traditions. Do you have a, listen, have a date night every week and a family night every week? Every week a date night where you go to trouble to be together and romanticize each other, pursue each other, meet each other's needs, have special nights, just like when you were dating. It is one of the most important traditions of every good family. The other great tradition is a family night. This Sunday night's our family night. It's, it's holy, it's sacred. That's when we do something with our kids and no one else is invited and we just, it, no TV, nothing else unless we're watching a movie together, but that's the time with our family. Uh, uh, walking together, exer- I'm talking about as a couple now, walking together, taking short trips. Karen and I would plan a trip every six or seven weeks. Uh, my parents were, uh, lived here in town, and so we'd leave the, kid- the kids with my parents, and we, go- and we were broke, we didn't have any money. So we would go to a crummy hotel, 30 or 40 miles away, and we just had a blast because we were together for that weekend. And we always knew it was coming. We always knew, three weeks, and we're gonna have a weekend together. Two weeks, we're gonna have a weekend together. And it was fabulous. So we had disciplines and traditions that were inviolable, which meant these things are gonna happen even if anything else doesn't happen. And we were busy, busy, busy. But we succeeded because those things were there. Budget your time, this is number two there, how to establish and protect proper priorities. Budget your time and energy as the same manner is you would your money, okay? I love to play golf. I went years without playing golf because I didn't have time. It, it takes time to play golf and, and I just didn't have the time. We had young children. People would ask us, will you go do this? Can you do this? And we'd say no, why? Because we don't have enough time. Everyone has 24 hours a day and God comes first. The reason, the, again, you budget it, that the Sabbath day is, is a day that belongs to God, period okay? so And the first of every day belongs to God. So the first day belongs to God, the first time belongs to God. Secondly, as a couple, we're going to take time together. I would come home from work, we would put the kids to bed, and then we would turn the TV off, and Karen and I would spend a couple of hours together every night uh, just talking and all the other things that, that we wanted to do as a married, married couple. We, the, we took care of the kids, but every single night, we would sit face to face, and we would spend our time together. And then as our kids got older, we woke up every morning, and we walked together every morning for many years, we did it again yesterday, for an hour and a half. We walked together for an hour and a half, and we prayed for 45 minutes, and we talked for 45 minutes. It's just, I look, I look back at that as being one of the bedrocks of our relationship, okay? So we, we budgeted our time. And so when other things came up, we just said no. We don't have time. We have time for God. We have time for our marriage. We have time for our children. Obviously, I've got to work. We may not have time for anything else. I, we, church was a very, very important thing for us. as a family. The third is you have to protect higher priorities from lower priorities. You have to protect your priorities. Karen and I, one time, you know, we had a lock on our door, which is important for all parents. You know, it's it, probably like a deadbolt, three or four of them. You know, in and in a guard and things like that. But so we're having an intimate moment in our bedroom with our door locked, our daughter Julie picks the lock and walks in. And it's like, well she didn't do it again, let me tell you that. So it, it was like, oh my gosh. Is you know how kids, they want you? And it's like, I'm gonna get you. So what we, they don't, they don't observe. They, they don't know that there's a parameter there. So what we did with our kids is we put them to bed at night. We never made them go to sleep. Can't make good kids go to sleep. We never made our kids go to sleep but we wouldn't let them watch TV or anything, but they could read, and we would keep them in good books. Our son Brent read, this is not an exaggeration, read 80 books in the fifth grade. He was the number one reader in the fifth grade. So we said, you lay in bed, you can read as long as you want to read, we'll keep you in good books as long as you want to read them, but you cannot cross the threshold of that door unless there's an emergency. Because we're gonna be over here spending time together. Mom and dad are having time together tonight. So we'd put them together, him to bed. I'd take my guitar in. I'd play. I'd, we'd sing some worship songs. I'd pray with them. We'd talk, you know, because I always wanted to talk. But as soon as we were finished and we prayed with them and we put him to bed, as soon as I walked out, now I was with Karen. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift-off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. We spent time with them. We put them to bed. We didn't make them go to sleep, but we said mom and dad are together. And when they would come and they would, you know, we want a drink, we want this, we want that, we'd take them back and say, you, now we had our time with you. Now we're having our time with each other. And we taught them to respect that. We taught everybody to respect it. We love you, we're gonna spend time with you, but God comes first, then our marriage, then our family. So you have to protect your priorities. It doesn't matter what your priorities are if you don't protect them. And you can be kind about it, but you have to be insistent on it because people will will press on you. As as a church, now this is before, um, uh, back when I started in ministry, there weren't cell phones or computers or uh, there weren't answering machines. And so I was a young pastor and when our phone rang, I didn't know who it was. And our phone rang all night long, people from the church calling. And so I would answer the phone and you know, it, who knows what it was gonna be. Somebody wanted me to come up to church to open a door, someone was having a crisis or anything like that. And so, but our, I remember our kids, the look on our kids face when the phone would ring and I would go answer the phone, they were always like, daddy's, daddy's gone, you know. And so I unlisted my phone number. Well, when I unlisted my phone number, we lost church members. Because some of our church members were extremely offended that the pastor's phone number wasn't available to them. And, what I, and, I, and I submitted this to the elders, and the elders hardly approved. I'm sorry, they're just not as important as my kids. I'm sorry. I wish I'd have had, you know, caller ID or something where I could have, you know, said, oh, yeah, I want to take that call. But that was before all that technology. And I took my, I delisted my phone number to protect my family. And people got mad at me and left the church. Let me say something. Thank God I did that. Thank God I did that. You just gotta put the phone down. Technology is a great servant, it's a terrible master. You gotta put the phone down, you gotta turn the TV off. You gotta say no to people, you gotta protect your family. God comes first, then my marriage, then my children. Marriage precedes children in priority. Number two principle is unity is essential. You have to be unified. Jesus said, a house divided against itself can't stand. If you're divided against yourself, your house can't stand. And so in, in parenting, you always present a united front. These are, these are four pra- practices of unity. I'm talking about unity now. Let me just give you four points here. Number one, always present a united front to your children and never let your children divide you. When you're a parent, we're a two-headed monster and you'll never deal with one head. We're two-headed, okay? So they come up and they say, can, we go, can I go to the movies with my friends? Let me talk to your mother. She won't mind. Uh, She said yes. I wanna hear it from her lips. Why? Because you lie. And so, I'm gonna hear it from her. And not in front of you either. Okay. Now if it's a simple decision, that's fine. But what Karen and I would do is go in our room, by ourselves, where our children typically were in bed, and we would sit down and sometimes we would argue because Julie has my personality, Brent has Karen's personality. And so it was easy for me to understand Julie. It was very challenging for Karen to understand Julie at times. It was easy for Karen to understand Brent. It was hard for me to understand Brent. Okay, And so we would sit down and talk and we would represent the kids to each other, always knowing that our marriage was more important than our children. But sometimes we would have to sit there and talk to each other and I'd say, Karen, you don't understand what Julie's saying. And she said, I know exactly what she's saying. I'm a woman, you're not, I know exactly. I said, no, you don't. And like this, so we would sit there and we'd have those conversations. And at the end of the conversation, we would say, this is what we're gonna do, right? Okay, we would walk out. They didn't know anything about the conversation. The only thing they knew is mom and dad was a two headed monster. You're gonna get both of us and we're both saying exactly the same thing, not this. Well, I'd let you go, but your mother won't. You know, Well, what does that say to kids? You know, you're divided at that point. A house divided against itself cannot stand. We are unified on everything that we do. Number two, always honor each other in front of your children and make your children honor your spouse. You never disrespect each other. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay? Train him up. Now, training doesn't mean talking. Training means showing. Showing. It includes telling, but it means living in front of. I'm gonna train you, how to, sit there and watch me, I'm gonna train you how to do So that's training. Sit there and watch me, I'm gonna do it, and, and I'm gonna to talk to you, but I'm gonna show you how to do it, okay? Talking is teaching, it's not training. Train your children up, show them how to live successfully, and when they become mature, they'll return to what you showed. That mean you won't have challenges, and it doesn't mean there won't be some, some difficult moments in the meantime, but if you train them up, you have to have faith that if you do the right thing in front of them, they'll return to that one day. You're not a bad parent because your child pushes every boundary and parameter and is constantly, you're just a parent. And, every, and by the way, once you figure out this age, they get older. Once you master this phase, they go into new phase. It's challenging, it's constantly challenging. And so when we were raising our kids, someone said one time, and I don't think this is necessarily true, they say, you never know if you're a success as a parent until your t- child turns 30. Okay, I, that may be a little bit older, but I'll say this. Um, when our kids left home, Julie left home, and she's, she, Julie was always a good girl, but Julie left home, and she, but she was strong will. And I'm telling you, she dramatically, dramatically matured in the two or three years after she went to college. It was amazing when she came home how we saw the things that we said to her that didn't make any sense before she got on her own. She would come home and she was thankful. And I mean, she matured. Brent was the same way. Brent went to Baylor and he he tested the boundaries. Let me say that. We had some very intense fellowship over his lifestyle. And I, I told him, I will defund your life if you keep this up. And uh, Brent called me one day and said, dad, I wanna move home and be accountable to you and mom. And I said, what? And he said, I, I wanna come home. He said, I, I know I'm, I'm not doing right here. He said, I wanna come home and be accountable. So he came home and uh, again, he was you know being out on his own, kind of you know testing all the boundaries and everything. And he asked Stephanie, his wife, out for a date. She said, no, uh, you've got a reputation. I'm not, I'm not dating you, you don't live for God. And Brent came home and he said, Dad, you know Stephanie, so and so on. I said, oh yeah. And he said, I asked her out. She told me she wouldn't go out with me because I wasn't living for God. He said, what do you think about that? And I said, that's the girl we've been praying for, Brent. <laughs> well, they've been married, she's the most praying. So I said, do you, do you want to go out with her bad enough to live for God? He said, yeah. He changed, he repented, changed his lifestyle, lived, and he is a man of God. My son is a man, and I thank God for a godly woman that told him, "You're not going to date me unless you turn to God." But, but I'm saying, you know, don't take a picture. There were times living by faith means I'm going to do what God's word says. We're going to we're going to raise our children not not by the you know the the you know the whims of culture, which are always going and coming, and they and they're so unstable. We made a decision. And I'm so thankful. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I'm closing them is we, we have some friends, and they know they made this mistake. They, they admit this mistake. But when their children were born, they went to a local bookstore and bought a book by a psychologist. In fact, I think he was a psychiatrist. And they raised their, these are Christians. But rather than going to the Bible, and they're great books, especially Christian books on how to parent, okay? But they went to the book and bought a secular book by a psychologist on how to raise their children. Everything that psychologists taught has now been debunked and the psychologist's children have now come out publicly saying what a terrible father he was. But the word of God will be true a thousand years from now. I will not raise my children, I will not stake their future on something so unstable as a person's opinion who doesn't agree with the word of God. I don't care if they call them experts or not. Time will prove if they're experts. But since God created us in our mother's womb, he's the ultimate expert. Since he's lived from eternity's past, he's the ultimate expert. And I am going to set the Word of God as the foundation of our family, not legalistically, because we were a fun family, we were not legalistic. We're not gonna be legalistic, but the Word of God is the foundation under our family, and we're gonna have faith that if we live by the Word of God that our children are gonna come back to that and they're gonna believe it. In our, We have two children, they both did. They're both living for God. They both have great marriages and great children. We're not perfect, none of us are perfect, but we've seen this entire process work out. And you can have a great marriage. There are gonna be challenges, there are gonna be good days and bad days, but you can raise great children as you build a great marriage. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out ExoMarriage.com, where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.